what's going on everybody and welcome to the Mike Janella Show. I'm your host Mike, obviously. This is my 87th podcast episode. Hopefully won't be my last. This episode features Danny Jollis. He is a comedian, an actor. You may have seen him on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which comes back this week. He plays George, which was a role, as you'll find out in our conversation, that wasn't even supposed to last that long, but it turned into this huge thing for him, which has been great. He also, this summer, made his late night talk show stand-up debut when he did the, what's Colbert show called, whatever it is, the Stephen Colbert show that he hosts on CBS. Danny was on there doing a stand-up set at the end, which is still, as you'll hear him say, a bucket list, checklist item for any stand-up comedian. So I asked him what that was like, the nerves, how it happened, what it was like, what Crazy Ex-Girlfriend has been like, what it's like to work with Rachel Bloom, and how it's been to film that uh, sporadically for him the last few years. So all that is coming up in just a second, but I want to take just 10 seconds to let you know, if you guys are listening to me for the first time, why don't you listen some more times by subscribing and giving a rating and a review to wherever you listen to this podcast. If you have friends that you think will like this podcast, make sure to send them to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Play Music, where you can find my podcast all the time. You can also hit me up at Mike Janella on all social media and visit MikeJanella.com for all previous episodes plus a lot of cool stuff that I have going on besides the podcasts pretty much all the damn time. But in the meantime, more importantly, here is this week's guest, Danny Jollis. Danny, fresh off a coast-to-coast flight. You're in New York, you're in LA, and now you're here on the Mike Janella Show. What's going on, man? Hey, man. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. You know, it's been an exciting 24 hours that then, uh, and then you're just back home and you're like, well, that just, uh, now we're uh, back to the way things were. Yeah. We've got to unpack and get right back uh, to it. Now we're talking, we're talking a little bit earlier than when this episode's going to drop because I wanted to make sure that we did chat before the season premiere of the uh, last season of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, well, you ha- you've had a great summer, man. Uh, Colbert, you you debuted on. Uh, your Capitals won a Stanley Cup. Crazy Ex that's is honest. back. That's, that's debatably the biggest news of them all. The, Caps. the Capitals. Oh. I mean, it was an unreal experience. Are you still celebrating? Yes. I mean, literally right now as we record <laughs> this, they are hanging the banner. Um, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, it was people I've said people have no clue what DC sports fans have been through. Um, I just think we're this kind of underrated uh, sports market where just people forget that we have four sports teams and they lose every year. And In a heartbreaking had, fashion, too. And to the same yeah. teams, it seems like every single year it was. It, it's been a nightmare. A so I, I've never won any, I've never had a team win in my lifetime, basically, or since I've been like cognizant. I guess I did happen when I was like a real, real little, but. Since I've been able to like be a full adult, I've never seen a team win, and so to get to like ex- I, it's my first experience of winning. It was awesome, right? Was and great. as an adult, you can fully enjoy it and appreciate it and remember it, and it's awesome. I was I was happy for you guys because I know what it's like, you know, growing up a Mets fan to be part of sort of a cursed franchise. So I was happy for yeah. you vicariously. So congrats. Uh, we'll it was awesome. A- it's very it's very emotional experience. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, we'll talk more about that a little bit later, but I want to start the conversation off the same way I do with every guest. We've already started off on a good foot uh, talking about 
the, the Caps winning the Cup. But I ask everybody, what's the best thing to happen to you in this past week? So Caps was a couple months ago, but in the last seven days, what's the best thing to happen to you in your life? Oh, I mean, uh, I mean, just uh, um, I, you know, I, I filmed something yesterday in New York, uh, this Hulu show um, that uh, was. You film a lot of things, and some of them are great, and some of them are frustrating. It was just like a really wonderful experience, um, just because it was it involved a friend, and just anytime. You know, the thing about doing, like, comedy is you start out with people and then everybody's spirit goes in different directions. And when, like, you and a friend who have been now doing comedy for nine years get to be on, like, a real set and do real stuff together, it's the coolest feeling. Because it's like, oh, man, we've made it together. Like, we're all making at least something happen. And that was yesterday. It was just on, like, a, like a, on a, obviously, like, it's good to get a job, but, like, just on like a spiritual level, I just left being like, ah, man, it's cool. It's cool when you go up and come up with like a group. Um, so that was, that made my week. Oh, well, that's really good. nice. And, yeah. and, and you got paid for it, like you said. So it's the best of all the worlds. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. But no, they, but they, I, I don't know. Yeah. But it's just like seeing your friend there. Like, yeah. ah, man, we all doing it. I, I don't know. It's like with, with what you do, like, do you have like a group that you started with that like, have spread out or do I guys don't. Yeah, I don't really. I was about to say I was going to and you asked the question before I could even chip in was that, uh, yeah, I kind of started in newspaper when I was doing media and everyone has stuck to that. And I've kind of branched off into more broadcasting and audiovisual. And I've just <laughs> hopped around to so many gigs that there really hasn't had that that tribe that I've stuck with. So I'm a little bit jealous of you. It's kind of like that Matt Damon, Ben Affleck thing, right? Like you guys are there from the beginning and you can do your own things and then eventually have success and come back together. So I'm a little yeah. jealous that you had that this week. So congratulations. Yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry to bring it up. Yeah, I... it's a bit of a sore subject, but yeah, thanks for, <laughs> for bringing those feelings up. Uh, well, that was last week. Uh, this week, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is back. I want to talk about that first because I'm sure a lot of people that are into the show are coming to check what you have to say out here on my show. Uh, confession time, I don't watch the show, so I'm going to try and do my best, but I wanted to know, because so many people are into it, what have you experienced being, you know, playing George these last couple years, what has this experience been like for you, because it's way different than stand-up comedy, right, you're actually on a show, what's, what's these last four seasons been like? Well, first off, give the show a chance, uh, open up your heart, open up your mind, give it a couple watches. I, I always tell people it's not about me. I don't come in really until the end of season two. So don't, you know, don't watch it for me, but it's a really good <laughs> show. <laughs> it's genuinely great. Um, again, the experience has been amazing. It's obviously just, in, to, first off, to be a part of any show is, is exciting, but uh, to be a part of a show that's genuinely great, like on a pure, just artistically, I see the episodes and i'm like this is i to be a part of something that is going to live on as a just a bunch of people will be it will never be another show like it it's a really cool thing to be a part of um and on top of that to bring it back uh rachel and i have been doing comedy together for a long time and again to like to get to be a part of her incredible creation uh, knowing her for as long as I have 
has also just been such a nice bonus. And so it's, it's been, it's been wonderful and such a surprise because it was never supposed to be what it became. Right. George was never supposed to be this big. Uh, and the fact he's still around and doing things is just endlessly shocking to me and exciting. So what can we, without giving too many spoilers away, what can we expect from your character from the rest of the show in this final season? What are you going to, can you tease a little bit of what we can, or what fans can think is coming their way for the finales? I mean, we are on a lockdown. The one thing I will tell you, <laughs> truly, we, we are on a lockdown. The, we, we, I, there used to be, we used to talk a lot more and tease a lot more uh-huh. and we've been, we've been put on a hush hush. Um, but what I will say is this is genuinely it. When I first t- talked to Rachel about this show seven years ago or whenever, whenever she first was like, I think I want to make a show of musical theater. She always had said four seasons. She wanted to make a four season show. And so the one thing I, I that I will tease is this is, this isn't just like a show coming to an end. It's going to, it's, this has always been a plan to this. And that's really unique that most shows just either fizzle out or get canceled. Right. Or they have a plan, but then the rating, like I think a loss, that's a classic example, right? They kind of had a plan, but then they had to keep making new stuff. And then it just ends up being this weird thing at the end. But all right. So, so whatever we see in season four, that's been the plan in Rachel's head for a long time now. Basically. Yes. And also, you know, Lost had a lot more. They Did they ever know the ending? They really... They'll tell you that they did, but I don't think I believe them. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean they, they, what they'll say, and this is how they trick you, is they'll say, we always knew the last shot. Like... Okay, but that... Yeah, and it's like, You can okay. get there a million different ways. Right, and you're like, yeah... I guess he always knew it was going to be Jack opening his eyes, Jack closing his eyes. Great. What about everything else that we invested in? Right. And that part – so I always felt like their answer was a little tricky because they were like, we always knew how it would end. And it's like literally you knew how it would end, but like conclusion-wise, I don't think they ever did – or I might have just been too stupid to figure it out. But I really do think I was No, because I think I'm a pretty smart guy. And I could, there was a lot of stuff they did in those last couple seasons that I couldn't figure out either. So I think don't give them too yes. much benefit of the doubt. I do also think they dealt with a culty fan base that was so excited by weird stuff that they yeah. really just leaned into it. And then, I mean, at a certain point, they just had done too much weird yeah, and once you're deep in the trenches, then it's kind of hard without polar bears to dig yourself back out. Um, but ba- back to your show, because like Lost, obviously very different, I'm sure. I'm curious but, what it's like. Or go ahead, you got something else? No, I was going to do a joke about how Lost should have been a musical. Continue. Oh, um, <laughs> I would have signed up for that. Maybe a 13 episode limited engagement. Um, now I was curious, like, what is the, a musical like? Because I don't know what for a TV show because I imagine for a movie it's very different. But how what's the production like? Is it what's a day like on set? I don't know. It's like everyone just break out into song and dance. Uh, how's that? What's that like when you're filming? It's uh, is everyone. <laughs> it's it. You know the thing is, and I, I tell everyone because everyone's like, "What's it like on a set?" And you've been on a set. Like it's it's everybody. It, you have to walk that line of we're having fun, but you know we have we have twelve hours to get done this much, and it does need to get done. 
Like you have to be very responsibly joyful and having a really good time. And what makes to me the show very impressive is everybody is genuinely always having a lot of fun and there's always a ton of stuff going on, but we always, everybody always gets their stuff. Everybody knows their lines. Like it's very professional. The musical elements of it all, when there is a musical number on a day, it's just so wildly fun. Um, the, Cause that's the wild I, card that you guys have on your show that a lot of other shows don't. That's what yes. makes your set different than most I would think. Oh, hundred percent. And the thing that's crazy is we operate basically on the same timeline as a normal show. And so when people are like, what's the musical numbers like? I'm like, well, I'll tell you this. You can't imagine how quick the turnaround is and how fast everybody has to learn the song, sing the song, learn to dance, do the dance. We're filming it. The dance is, and it's over. And the song is done. It's like in four days you go from what is this song to that song is done. Everybody, wow. I did so, not expect that. I thought maybe like at least a week they would just do all the songs like in, for a month like straight or something. That's crazy. Oh, yeah, no, it's why you are flying in and out of songs and stuff like that. And I'm not even one of the ones who really has to do that much. I've been in very limited spots and songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been like, what is the song? Wait, what am I? What? What is the dance? Like, I, I learn it. And they're like, all right, we're going to film it tomorrow. And you're like, I don't know it. I don't feel. Also, everyone else is basically Broadway trained, minus me and a couple others. Does that make you feel weird? Well, it makes you feel humble. Certainly aware of your faults. <laughs> you That's a nice around. way to put it. Yeah, you, you look around and you're like, nah, I'm not as talented as I once thought I was. That's that's become abundantly clear. At least when it comes to singing, I'm sure you know. I'm sure some of them that are good singers can't do stand up like you can, right? I'm just trying to help you out here. Oh, that's true, and we all have our strengths. But, yeah. Uh, man, oh man, their strengths are are very impressive. That's so and funny. it's you can feel it on when we're doing those things, and it's just so natural to some of them because they've. You know, Broadway shows, I mean, you're doing eight shows a week for a year, and they're so good at just their their bodies are made for it. They can pick it up so quick. And then there's me just stumbling <laughs> next to them. <laughs> so would you want to – not in this show necessarily because obviously you just talked about how the skill set needed to be maybe someone in every single episode is maybe not your forte – but would you like a show where you're, you are featured more frequently, or do you like this flexibility of being a character who kind of pops in, pops out, that lets you do other stuff in real life so you're not so committed? You know, the, uh, to me right now, my thing is I like doing things that are good. And that's, like, such an obvious statement, but, like, genuinely trying to find yourself in projects that you like. I would love to be in something a lot if it was really great. I mm-hmm. think my, my thing is there's a pressure to say yes in Hollywood slash in your industry also, you know, you get offered something that looks in any way good. You're like, dude, I got to take it. Yeah. And I think it's, I like to think I've tried to discipline myself on not just saying yes because someone (laughs) says I can't. So but, when you said when Rachel came to you with this, because it already was sort of season one in the books, did you just see how good it was and that's what made you say yes? Or was it more of a favor for an old friend? Like what made this project work for you? Because you're, you are. Well, let, me, let me say this. This was far from a favor for an old friend. <laughs> right, right. <you're> sure. <laughs> I would say one friend was doing another friend a favor. But genuinely, actually, I don't think either of us saw this. I, she, was, she just put me in for an audition for a small role and a couple breaks occurred in our favor where I actually got the casting director moved me into a bigger role 
um, just off. But it, Rachel had no intention. It, it's not plausible to, you know, it's it's the cool thing about working with her on this is it, it's impossible to get your friends in your stuff. It's very hard to do because, you know, again, like it's a lot of money on the line here. Like the, the executive producer isn't just going to be like, oh, it's Rachel's friend. Get him in here. Right, yeah. So many decision makers that yeah, stand between like, you and your pal, right? Well, who's just going to be like, yeah, you don't want that. Also, like, I, as a comic, like, I recommend people for shows all the time. I'm sure you recommend people for gigs all the time. There is no worse feeling than recommending someone for a gig and they suck. Oh, yeah. It's the worst. So it's also, like, scary to recommend your friend. Um, so we just got very lucky where it worked out the way it did and – we both made each other look good. I like to think. I like to make it think. I, I, I like to think I made her look good by suggesting me, and you know, I like to think maybe I've made her show a little bit better. But it, it's it just worked out very well. But it's it's far from, I would say, of you know, <laughs> certainly did her no favors, and <laughs> and I like to think even she is shocked by how well this all worked. This worked out for the both of us. Um, this is not normal operating procedure, which is why, again, when I did another one this week with someone, it was like, again, he was, we both were just like, I can't believe I got through again to be on your show. You keep, because it's a lot of people have to say yes. Yeah. And if anything, they're going to be like, it's your buddy. No. Yeah. You're more, it's almost like I'm, I work in sports a lot and you know, sports obviously too. It's whenever the, the dad's kid is the star player. It's that extra sort of level of scrutiny that's on there. And yeah. you have that kind of same thing too when you're when you're coming in as supposedly someone's pal or whatever. Yeah. Also, not to mention, God forbid, like, <laughs> you know, I start throwing a hissy fit on set. It's like, well, now Rachel's. Now it's not just Rachel has to be like, hey, as your boss. Now it's like, as your friend, also. Then it gets real complicated. Like it's a nightmare. Yeah. Like you, you really, it is widely discouraged, and yet when it works. It's so cool. magic. Yeah, it is. It's high like, risk, oh, man, high reward. We did it. Yeah, it's high. But that's why no one would ever recommend such a crazy thing. Mm. But it's also why I encourage everyone in general. Of it, it, the biggest career advice I give is: if a friend gives you an opportunity, make that friend look good, because those friends will keep wanting to give you opportunities if you make them look good. That's good advice. You should make a greeting card or something. I should. Honestly, <laughs> I'm out of the business. I'm into the greeting card world. <laughs> I mean, we, it, it's that time of year now. We got Halloween. We got Thanksgiving. We got all the holidays after that. So now's the time to get back into it. Um, how has Rachel changed? It, I'm sure seeing this success come up and, and like your relationship with her, how she's become a, a better auteur or a performer. Has she taught you new things? Because this thing took off like a rocket ship that first season. And now it's got this huge, huge cult following. Do you guys just sit back sometimes and be like, holy shit, I can't believe what this became? I think she – I think you have to believe in your own project in a way that – no, I think we're constantly – I think she's – I think you you never really think it's going to happen. You know, you always see yourself as doing the big thing. But I don't think like her winning the Golden Globe – like I think we always thought, you know, like I always knew she was extremely talented and she should win a Golden Globe. Did I ever actually think the world would acknowledge how talented she was? Probably not. You know, what are the actual odds? But it did. It worked out. Um, she she hasn't changed one bit. Um, 
she's still a delightful person who was my friend before it, has been my friend during, will be my friend after. It's just like a very lucky situation. Um, she really hasn't changed that much in a way that I think throws people. Because mm, they, they expect Hollywood to like ruin somebody, you're saying? Or what do you mean? Just like a, she's opinionated. She, does, she says what she wants. She doesn't really like, you know, I mean, it's my favorite is when she does interviews because I think it throws people just how like blunt she is. Mm. And it's like that's always who she was and that's who she stayed. She hasn't let it change her one bit. She's still the same per you know, I, I hang out with her. It's the same hangout, which is nice yeah, and very and very hard on her end, you know. And, you know, yes, hard on her end. Very impressive. She's a very impressive person, but also came up the right way, and I think that's a big part of it. She didn't get a lucky break. Mm-hmm. Rachel was making great stuff and just worked hard, and then now is just working hard and making great stuff on a bigger scale. But she actually put in the work before. I think people get breaks sometimes, and I think it can throw them more. But she really knew what she was doing. She's a really smart comic. She's been making hilarious music videos for years. So she just had to do it on a bigger scale. But she she knows what she's doing. Which she has, yeah. Now the final season. Season four, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, guys. Definitely check it out. But Danny, I want to talk about you more now. Enough about Rachel. She gets enough plaudits. That's what I've been saying. Right? Like, honestly. Um, I, I, I was flipping through... Flipping through, I was scrolling through, I should say. It is 2018. Online, earlier this summer... And I saw you were going to be on Colbert. And I was like, holy shit, I know that guy. And I know it's been a couple months now, but can we go back to that space and just talk about what that was like for you? Because I've never known someone who's done a set on one of the late night shows. This is really cool to me. Well, fun facts. You said you had Steve on the show. Steve did the late, late show once upon a time. Yeah, but that's the late, late show. (laughs) We're talking the old Carson hour. Like, this is the real deal. Yes, it was a wild experience. Um... It's Steve, uh, Steve Hofstetter, by the way. If you want to go and listen to old episodes, MikeJanella.com. We've got them all there. Plug over. Back to you, Danny. What, what was that like doing Colbert? Um, it was very um, scary. Uh, it's the reason why you uh, do stand-up every night for nine years before doing it is so you can relax into a thing you know because, like, pressure-wise, it's unreal. I've never been under – I've never felt that kind of like – it's also just like emotional. The big thing that I didn't expect was how emotional I was going to get. I was I was like wildly emotional in a way that I was not prepared for. Like, you know, I, I you start doing stand-up nine years and the first time you do stand-up, you're like, Sunday I'll do a, a, a late-night set. Mm-hmm. And then you learn how difficult it is and how impossible it is and like – you suck for so long and you're just terrible at it. And like you hate yourself and you, you just like, but but in the back of your mind, you're like, well, someday I might do like a late night set. And then like you start progressing and et cetera. And you're like, well, you know, but, but it's still, it's like, it's so out of reach and it's so difficult to figure out what they want. And like, you know, and you're just trying to get in. And then all of a sudden you're there. It happens very quickly. As far as like when they actually pull the trigger on you doing it, it's like, okay, here's a date. You're just like, oh, okay. And then all of a sudden it just was happening. And it was like emotionally, I just, I just pressure-wise, you know, I, I felt the pressure, but I'm very good under, under pressure, weirdly, for a person who's like pretty neurotic. <laughs> I like, I tend to be like, in a crazy way, when people see me, they assume I, I am a fight or flight 
I, people are like, oh, you're for sure flight. And I'm actually like pretty calm in like crisis. That's good. Think, Talk about a strength to play up to. It's weird. It's a surprising thing. I'm pretty, but I think it's because like I'm always so like nervous and on edge when things actually get crazy. I'm like, oh, this is actually like the speed I usually operate in. <laughs> You're all on my level now. Welcome yeah, to the yeah, Thunderdome. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's a panic. I told you guys we should be panicking. <laughs> now let's deal with the situation. So I'm pretty calm. So I, and I knew that going into this was like, it's going to be high pressure. You have a, just trust that you will get calm. And I was extremely calm on the stage. I really, I really like. You look very, composed as hell, man. And you sounded great. Let me tell you. Yeah, thanks, man. I mean, truly couldn't have been calmer up there. I felt very, like, good. But uh, emotionally, when backstage, it was just very, like, oh, man, I'm here. Um, and I felt it on that level. What uh, What are, like, the biggest emotions we're talking here? Relief? Uh, pride? Happiness? Like, what, oh, ha- what was the biggest? Overwhelming, like, well, beforehand, it's, like, overwhelming. Like, okay, you've been thinking about this moment for nine years. You get one shot at a joke you've done, you know, a lot of time. You know, a joke I really loved, but... Certainly, you know, and I also, you know, refused to really follow a script, script, script. So I knew I was going to like improvise whatever I said out of the gates and like stuff like that. I mean, it's just like before it was just a lot of like, okay, like one shot. And then afterwards, once it was went well, it was just a lot of like, oh, man, that's like just such a cool moment. That's such a life moment. Very rarely in life do you know, like, hey, that's a big life moment. Right. When you're in the you moment, know? it's rare yeah, to like, know that it is, is the moment. <laughs> yeah. And I was calm enough where I was legitimately in the moment being like, wow, this is just a great moment. And really got to, like, look around. My parent, you know, I can see my dad while I'm up there. Like, That's just, cool. Yeah, it was just a very nice experience that, like, went backstage and immediately started crying and, like, was just very touched by the whole situation. So how does one get on? Do they reach out to you? Do you have an agent? Do you just keep sending Colbert and all the other shows tapes? How does this happen? They have a person whose job it is to book it. And, you know, they kind of work with a lot of comics at once to try to help them. And when they think a comic's there, they pull the trigger very suddenly. It's, it's, it's a very – everybody has a different story how they got on. But at the end of the day, there's a person at every show who – that's what they do. They just know how to book late night comics and – uh there's a woman there, Jessica Pilot, who is really smart, and at least I and j- j- just at a certain point pulls the trigger on you. Smart um, enough to book you, right? That's what makes her so intelligent. And she got you on this show, <laughs> but also really good at like figuring out like you know different style. Like I was, I did something very weird for late night, which was I talked about one thing, and that was uh, that's not standard, and as a result, a little scary. And she, you know, really allowed that to happen in a way that was very exciting to me. I did not know if I would ever get to do that. Yeah, you did. It was, what, seven minutes, seven and a half, about basically bros, right? It was like the one kind of thread joke throughout. Bros, but then, you know, ending on a transgender bathroom point that is, uh, again, like, there were, I won't name names, but certain late night shows that when they saw the joke were like, hey, we're not going to touch that topic. Hmm. And I was like, cool. You know, I I get it. You know, but like, it was cool they let me do that joke. Was there ever any thought about coming up with new material or were you always just, you knew that I'm going to go with something I've done before, tried and true so that I can have no issues with it? Well, you, you I have tons of new, I mean, I have tons of material um, and I'm always writing new stuff. I think that joke, her and I both agreed, stood out as 
what felt like a good introduction to that world mm-hmm. because it was so what I do. Like that's so my thing on stage is small point and the big point. And these long rants weren't anything. I, it was the type of late nights that I wanted to do. Did I have a late night sets? Yeah, I probably have like, you know, 35 minute chunks you could make work. But it was one that I was like, oh, man, it would be really cool to do this joke um, and to, to make this point on that show. So it was the one I probably pushed the hardest just because I was like, ah. Uh, and I, I always kind of want to do a one thought thing. I hope that's like always kind of my goal with these going forward even. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to establish that. And I feel like this was a good way. But also, they were, I had other jokes, and if they had wanted to pull the trigger on a different one, I would have done it. They were options. They were and options out there. <laughs> always nice to have options. So this obviously, like just hearing you talk about it again, this still ranks highly because obviously everything has become so digital and segmented, and you can do stand-up on Netflix, and you can have your HBO special on Comedy Central and have a podcast that charts or whatever. But getting a, a late-night show set, so this is still, I'm imagining, top of the wish list for stand-ups? Like, pretty high up there? Yeah, I think symbolically it is. Yeah. I think, like, obviously a special is a bigger deal than a late-night set, but a late-night set is just a big, like, it's just a life moment. Um, I think everybody wants a big special. Everybody, everybody wants to, like, yeah, everybody would you know, give a choice to anyone. They're like, oh, I'd love to do Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. But, like... It's just a great stepping stone that you have to do. Everybody does a late night set right. who's done anything, really, minus like a couple people. Well, now Drop. you've done it. Now, you've, now you're one of those people, too. So Now I'm one of those people. Now, there's also too many people who have done it and barely worked since, but we'll see which side <laughs> I come out on. <laughs> so what happened afterward? Were you, did you hear from other people that – Wanted to book you, other gigs, you hear from other comics that, like, how what, was your phone blowing up? Were people looking to date you? What was the, the aftermath? No, nobody ever wants to date me. Uh, <laughs> I have a girlfriend. but uh, Okay, right. well, there you go. But it's still, like, people are like, you must get people flying into your DMs. And I was like, no, DMs <laughs> are pretty sweet. Usually, like, people just being like, hey, you're funny. It's, like, very authentic conversations uh, in a way that's consistently disappointing. I would love to turn people down. But uh, <laughs> like, nothing. give me something more salacious, please. Yeah, it's like, come on. No one, no one even thinks about it. <laughs> but apparently did it, not. Did it lead to any any opportunities, or was it just everyone kind of, hey man, great job, and that was that was it? I think, in my experience in Hollywood, and granted, I'm just one Danny. <laughs> nothing leads to. I think everyone is like, oh, these big moments lead to these big moments. And I think the truth is, it's like, (laughs) you do something like this and like a bunch of people see it and they go, oh, wow. But like, this isn't like the olden days. NBC didn't call me the next day and they were like, it's just everything. Take Nothing leads to that. The only thing that matters is how good your product is. I'm not somebody who I, I have no clue why people sometimes reject me. I have no clue why some people don't like you just can do the best job you can and like the next day like no my life didn't change the next day but i also like that i just got to go back and i think i did like three days afterwards i like went to an open mic 
because I was like, oh, I want to work on a new joke. And I was like sitting there being like, this is also a great thing. Hmm. I like going to this. I like that I'm someone who – like the idea of me doing that set and then being like, you never have to go to open mic again would be a bummer because I don't even think I'm there yet artistically. So, right. no, everything just stays the same. I think it's – like you said, it's a big misconception. I think a lot of people see this from the other side. And you and I were talking about this a little bit before we started recording – how they see you on a TV screen and think, oh, the offers or the money just must come rolling in. But that's not always, that's usually not the case in any kind of media. Yeah, I got called. nowadays. Yeah, it's Facebook successful. Right. There you and go. And like, you know, you have these fun, big things you post and they are real things. You know, it's not like we're lying, but it's also like, you know, don't, in general, I think Facebook slash the life the way like modern society works now like we post these things we do we don't mention the struggles and we certainly don't mention like the amount of stuff that don't doesn't happen yeah you know i very rarely post status as being like almost booked this but didn't <laughs> i'm gonna go out and eat some food now you know it's like i should make that my new brand everything i post is just oh i got a call back today didn't get the job and see how, yeah, how that does like, it for me yeah because it's like people don't usually don't read about that stuff so you know i stay busy enough where i think people think i'm doing and i'm doing perfect but it's it all can change in a moment it's why like it's why it's just about the not to get all lame, but it's about the art. You do you make good stand up, you do a good job acting, you write good things, like the rest of this shit. Like I, I don't know. I barely that's why I represent reps. You know, they they tell me how every, everybody else perceives it. Right. But I and... just say what I like on stage and like I, I didn't you know, I, I knew I would get some shit for doing that joke on T V. Didn't really get that much, but like I was like, I, you just have to say what you believe. Hope for the best. Good advice. Good advice to live by. Um, well, that's awesome, man. I'm happy for you. Anyone who hasn't checked it out, if you just YouTube Danny's name and Colbert, or just Danny's name even, I think it's the first thing that comes up. So check it out. It's a good set. And uh, and he looks great. Looked dapper. Nice tie. Nice suit. It was it was nice, man. You did a great job. You crushed it. Bought it just for the night. Ooh, I like that. Got to come fresh. My girlfriend, my girlfriend took me shopping. She was like, you need a, you need a nice suit. She was right, and it worked. It was awesome. Do you have it hanging up in the rafters now of your apartment like it's been retired? No, but I don't know if you noticed that we're a Capitals tie. Oh, I, I saw the pattern. I, I didn't get close enough on the camera to notice, but that's that's a nice touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Capitals have yet to acknowledge it, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll see what I can do. I'll send them a letter or a tweet or something. I'll, I'll get on your case. I really felt like, you know, no, one, no one's impressed that I did that. You know, yeah. how many people they have? Wearing when they wearing capitals ties on TV, nothing. I know. One one comment from them. That's ridiculous. Well, whoever's working in their PR marketing department has dropped the ball tremendously, and they should rectify that immediately. Uh, Danny, I end every show with two segments. One of them is called "Turn the Tables." You don't have to do it, but if you want to, this is a chance where I let my guests ask me anything they want. So if you want, man, the floor is yours to fire back at me because I've been asking you all these questions. So figure, give you a turn. Well, goodness gracious. I mean, I'm assuming you've already talked about the 100K pyramid experience. Uh, yep. Yeah, I have. But if you have any question you want about that, I mean, go for it. If your podcast followers already heard you, you <laughs> your winning experience, there's no reason to go back into it. Uh, but that's super cool. I mean, well, we, like what your your profession, what do you do? Because you don't have a constant gig right now, right? That's right. 
So what do you, what do you do during these downtimes? Uh, it's funny. This was actually uh, my last episode that I recorded was a sort of similar question. That was more existential, though. Like, how do I emotionally get through it? So uh, this is more of a technical, logistical question. Um, I just keep creating content. It's like you said, right? You got to do it for the art. So I do this podcast. I do other digital video series, stuff that I just do because I like doing it. And that takes up a lot of time. People think that doing content online is just, oh, I'm going to shoot in selfie mode on my phone and hit upload and then it's over. Like, no, some of these videos I do, it ends up being a two, three minute video, but it's literally days of planning and shooting and editing and sound mixing and all this kind of stuff. So that takes up a lot of time, but it's just always doing that and always looking for jobs. Um, I don't know what it's like for you looking for stage time or mics and stuff like that, but you know, I'm, there's job boards or places that I subscribe to or networking I got to do, talking to producers, always looking for what's open. So, mm-hmm. and I go to movies a lot. I'm an AMC A-list member, so I go to movies like a lot, two or three times a week. So that and watch a lot of TV, and that's uh, how I fill most of my time. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful way to live. Do yeah, you? Uh, not bad. Yeah. Do you think you're gonna go back to the sports world, or do you think you're? I would love more... to, man. I mean, that's what I love most, and. I was worried a little bit when I was younger that if I worked in sports, I wouldn't be able to enjoy it as much, like from a fan's perspective. But that's not even an issue anymore. It's, it's I feel like everyone on Sports Center or whatever these days, they all have their favorite teams, and it's so like back in the day to think that oh, if you're calling a game, you can't have a favorite player or a team or whatever. But I would love to get into sports. I mean, it's what I love talking about. It's what I think I know the most. I'm the most expertise in. So if you know anyone that's looking for a guy. You just tell them that you got a guy. Let me tell you, I wish. I am desperately trying to get anybody DC Sports to notice me consistently. All I want to do is be their Drake, and I can't seem to get them to notice. That's that's a pretty good ambition, and it's like a specific vision enough that I think it could happen. You just got to give it a little bit of time, I guess. Let me tell you something. They have Wally, and Wally's great, and he's a great DC Sports fan. Love the guy. But I'm just saying... If they're looking for someone else, I am willing to sit courtside and yell at the other team as much as they need me to. What a, what a difficult life that would be. Let me tell you, I don't know how you'd be able to handle yourself. That's all I want. <laughs> That's all I want. And I still don't understand why uh, a comic isn't in the booth for football and baseball. Well, I think the Dennis Miller experiment on Monday Night Football put a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. But with the right comic, I think it could work. But Dennis Miller didn't even get a good chance. I, I it, and it certainly wasn't distracting. Like I remember, it didn't work, work. But like, it wasn't like a nightmare. It was just like didn't quite work. It didn't like quite work. I don't know. What's the I thing with those know. kind of experiments is when something doesn't work once, no one's ever trying it for the next twenty or thirty years. And instead of Why trying not? to tweak like, it and make it better, baseball, particularly baseball, there's so much downtime. Yeah. Why not put a comic in those booths? I don't get it. I'm not even saying I have time. I'm just saying like on a logistical level why doesn't it happen i don't know or at least you see so many alternate broadcasts now you can watch a game in its regular channel you can watch it in spanish you can watch it with the stats driven version you can watch it from the home team the away team why not have like a cool take a chance channel with like a comic and some other non-alternative people i'm with it i'm with it i don't get it drives me up a wall no i don't understand We'll, we'll see. That could be your next passion project, and just keep wearing capital size on TV. Maybe someone will get to you. 
Come uh, kind of notice. Last segment, it's the fun five. These are five quick, fun questions designed for you and you alone, Danny. So we're going to talk some and sports. I'm, and I'm sorry, just to, clarify, just to clarify, these are going to be fun questions? Fun for me. I don't know if it'll okay. be fun for you, but I know at least one of us in this conversation is going to have a good time. All right, fun questions. <laughs> number one, wacky fun question number one. Um, now, who's the most influential comic on your style? <sighs> on my style? <laughs> Like you were growing up, who's the who's the one comic that had the biggest, I guess, influence on you? Uh, not on my style, but on me wanting to be a comedian, uh, Chappelle. Okay. Any reason in particular? Yeah, he uh, he did a joke called "How Old Is 15 Really?" That is the greatest, one of the greatest jokes ever written, and it's. Uh, I remember being like, I didn't know you could make that good a point while being funny. All right, check that out, folks. Question number two, uh, what about right now? Maybe Chappelle is the same answer. Who's your favorite comic besides yourself still doing it? Chappelle might be the, the answer. Um, he's unreal. Um, there's obviously lots of big people. Rel Howery, um, I think, is, is hands down maybe the funniest person as far as just overall laughs uh, live. And... Uh, I think the most criminally underrated is Daniel Tosh. I think uh, people talk about him as a comic, and he's obviously well-known, but I don't think people realize just how great he is. Um, his specials are second to none, in my opinion. Um, and then, honestly, the people that inspire me the most are people around my same you know, group, um, people who people don't necessarily know, but Rami Youssef, um, uh, Brad Silnuts, Deborah DiGiovanni, like people who you might not know offhand, but who are just young comics killing it out here. And they make me laugh so much more than necessarily the big famous people. I like it. Showing them some love. Check those people out too, guys. Uh, question number three, the night of the Stanley Cup win for the Capitals, how did you celebrate? I was with my dad. And we just hugged a bunch and then watched all the, we just watched together. That's awesome. That's what sports does mm -hmm. at its best. That's so cool. Question number four, maybe it's now Ovechkin after this summer. Who's your favorite D.C. athlete ever? I mean, Ovechkin always had to be in the running um, because he is the most loyal. Like, I've known it, you know, since I was 18, you know, 60, I mean, he's been with me for forever. And he's never left our team. He's never threatened to leave our team. He's just always stayed. And despite consistently losing with us, it just has stayed and been so loyal. So I think he has to go down as one of them just because of the loyalty to him. Uh, and it's always appreciated. Uh, the, you know, people like John Wall and Bryce Harper, if they really end up spending their whole careers here, I think I love the both of them just so much. And I hope they, but it's all about like Ovechkin, the thing that makes him so unique is he just has never left. And it's kind of like Dirk Nowitzki with the Mavericks. He finally got it paid off by yeah. the vindication of the championship at the end, which is amazing. I mean, that's what I think made it so emotional for DC sports. And was seeing him win. Yeah. Was like, he's earned, he so deserves it. He worked so hard and just every year we had to watch him skate off the ice, sadly. Yeah. Usually against the Penguins, but you guys yeah, vanquish that, vanquished that goes too. And then shocked he came back the next year. Just And just never even like the slightest rumor he was going to leave. Just, yep, he's back. 
and still might be drunk on champagne if his summer Instagram stories were any indication. Uh, he earned it. He did earn it. Question number five. So now we talk about this grace period in sports all the time when like a team or a city like Boston, finally the Red Sox win and they're kind of happy. How many years are you good now before you need another championship for a, a D.C. area sports team? <laughs> Let me tell you, we, 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 we uh, what is it? One for t- 20 years. I mean, I, I think we could get another one. I don't think it'd be crazy. Um, okay. So you're ready for another one right away. I, I mean, it's like, yeah, please give us another one. I, you know, obviously the nationals had a really rough season. Yeah. Um, the skins, you know, are where they are. Um, I will see, but certainly the record's good, but I, I'm not necessarily overwhelmed with, with trust in them. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I would take one now. I'm, I'm, I would take another one. All right. So, uh, the, it's one year that you'd wait for, for the next one. I like it, man. Optimistic. It's good stuff. Yeah. Why All right, not? man. Danny, man, this was a fun chat, man. It was great chatting with you and you, you've had such an awesome last couple of months. And, uh, now with everything else you got going on, I can only imagine it's going to get even crazier. So thanks for taking some time. Uh, plug whatever you want to plug accounts, uh, things to watch, whatever you want. Floor is yours. Oh, oh, sure. Uh, well, I'll, I'll say, follow me, follow me on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram or whatever. Uh, crazy ex-girlfriend, October 12th. Um, a bunch of other shows at various times, but, um, uh, and come, you know, see me live or, you know, follow me on those medias. And if you see a show, come. And, but the last thing I say every time I do a podcast and I don't do many, uh, but when I do, I say, uh, the plug is, uh, just go to a live stand-up comedy show. It's so much more fun than you think it is. Just go. I've been to them and I agree. That's very well put. All right, man. Well, thank you so much, and uh, here's hoping Bryce Harper does stay this offseason and that things just keep uh, trending up for you and everything. Ah, I, I love where your heart is. It's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I love the guy, and I love guys who stay in the same place forever, and I would hate to see him in a Yankee uniform here right across town or in the Philly uniform uh, you know, right down the road too. So screw them, and here's to uh, Bryce staying with you and everything working out perfectly for everybody. Uh, guys, make sure to visit uh, me at Mike Janella on all social media and MikeJanella.com for all previous episodes of the show. Thanks to Grapes for providing the outro music you're hearing right now. And Danny, one more time, thanks to you for coming on the show, man. Appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And thanks to you guys for listening. I'll do even better next time. See ya!